Hello and welcome back to another episode of Different Strokes. I'm really excited to have two guests with us this week as we have uh, Andre Edwards with us and we have James Neblett. Andre Edwards received his bachelor's in music education from the University of Houston and has been a percussion specialist and technician for several music programs in the Houston and surrounding areas, including Cy Creek High School, winning the PAS Call for Tapes, as well as Cy Fair High School. Currently, Dre resides in the Lake Jackson, Texas area, where he is the assistant director of percussion at Brazoswood High School and all feeder programs, including Brazoswood High School, Clute Intermediate, and Rasco Middle School in Brazosport ISD. Dre has served as one of the bass drum technicians for Monarch Independence since 2016. In this summer, he will be joining the percussion staff at Sacramento Mandarins as a bass drum technician. Dre has also served on the percussion staff at the Colts Drum and Bugle Corps from 17 to 19, as well as the Guardians Drum and Bugle Corps from 15 to 16. Our other guest this week is James Neblett, who is an active music educator, arranger, and clinician based in the Pflugerville, Texas area. During his tenure in the marching arts, he has worked with several scholastic, open, collegiate, and world-class marching programs all around the state and across the nation. Currently, James is a bass drum ensemble specialist for Monarch Independent since 2017 and the battery ensemble specialist for the state champion Vista Ridge Marching Band since 2016. James has over a decade of performance and teaching experience in the marching arts. Having had the opportunity to march three summers with the Boston Crusaders from 2008 to 2010, as well as teach numerous ensembles, including the Boston Crusaders from 2014 to 16 and the Blue Knights from 2017 to 18. When James isn't dedicating time to music education, he works full-time as an information technology systems administrator for a local healthcare company based out of the greater Austin area. Please welcome Dre and James. All right, you boys ready? Yeah, I'm good. Good to go. All right, well, I'm really excited because my guest today is, or both guests today are uh, Dre Edwards and I have James Neblett here and uh, really excited to have them on the show and going to have you guys just introduce who you are and give us a little overview of your background and um, where you're located and what you're doing now in the community. So why don't we start with Dre first? Uh, Yeah, Uh, my name is Andre Edwards, but almost everyone who is anyone calls me Dre. Uh, I am a percussion educator in the Houston area. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I currently live in Lake Jackson, which is definitely not in the Houston area, but we'll just call it the Houston area. Uh, I teach middle school percussion. I'm a percussion specialist uh, at Clute Intermediate and Rasco Middle School, which also feeds into Brazoswood High School. And I also have uh, percussion responsibilities there at the high school. Uh, so it's really cool because I get to work with uh, the full cluster, you know, from uh, fifth grade all the way through 12th. Um, I also work at Monarch Independent. I've been there since 2016. I'm one of the bass technicians there, and I've also done work in the past in drum corps uh, with uh, Guardians, the Colts, and currently right now the Mandarins. All right, James. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, my name is James Neblett. Um, I actually work healthcare IT. I've been doing that for seven of the last 10 years uh, with Austin Regional Clinic. Um, I'm from Pflugerville, Texas, which is about five minutes north of Austin. Um, I have been a percussion educator since 2008, 2009. 
um, mainly in the central Texas area. Um, <clears throat> but I've worked kind of all over. Um, I have been with Monarch Independent as well. I'm another one of the base technicians there. I've been with them since 2017. Um, I have taught a number of different drum corps uh, since 2014. Um, right now, obviously taking a little bit of time off from the summer scene, um, focusing more on the healthcare IT gig. But um, my main focus has been bass drum. I uh, spent three years with the Boston Crusaders, 08, 09, and 2010, um, taught by some great people there, just kind of got bit by the teaching bug and during that time and just kind of took off with it. Awesome. So really excited to have both of you on and uh, really just talk more about the uh, projects that you've been working on and maybe some things that you've been doing to help adapt with the state of the world and the state of our country when we're dealing with this pandemic. And um, can you talk to me a little bit about what you've been doing uh, from the drum corps and the WGI standpoint? Uh, what sorts of things are you hearing or, or seeing or things that maybe are happening within the organizations you're working with? And uh, what what are some of the positive things that are going on right now? Um, and uh, why don't we start with Dre? Uh, yeah, man. Um, so I think um, all the organizations that I'm currently with right now are kind of all in, this, in the same area or phase of kind of figuring out what the next step is, you know? Um, they're planning to uh, come out and have a season and operate. Um, now, as far as what that all entails and like what capacity uh, they're going to be operating in, I think is still uh, kind of up in the air. Um, I, th I know most of uh, the groups like Monarch, we, we're ready for a, a virtual season. Um, now, if it turns out to where we can do more than that, then I, I think we're going to be ready to do that as well. Um, um, and as far as Mandarin's, uh, as far as I know with them as well, I think we're, we're, we're ready to go in, in both directions uh, if, that's, if that's what it is, you know. Uh, the Kind of the tricky part about this whole thing is no one really has any answers and we're all just trying to figure out what the best uh, way is to kind of move forward, you know. And I think everyone, no matter what organization that you're involved in, I think you're in that stage of planning for the future right now. It's just you know, speculating and seeing what you might be able to do, you know? Yeah. And James, what are, what's kind of the vibe that you're getting from some of these sessions you may be having, maybe with students that you do get to work with that are a part of some of the programs you teach at and maybe even with Monarch, uh, what's kind of the general vibe you're getting with the students? Sure, man. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't mention earlier the the, I used to work with several schools all at the same time, but um, as my, role um, in, in the IT world kind of got bigger and bigger. I pared down some. So I've mainly been with Vista Ridge High School out of the Cedar Park area. Um, so it's been very interesting to see how they have taken things on as a staff and, and as students. And and what I can say is the students have just been very resilient in, in every sense of the word. Um, they're, they're very receptive. They're very flexible. Um, they're taking on everything as best they can um, with great attitudes. Um, <clears throat> uh, Vista Ridge is taking a very safe uh, approach to everything as safe as can be um, in terms of traveling. They're not doing any away games. All of the games are going to be local. Um, lucky for us, we have a stadium that's 
literally right across the street from the school. Um, so everything is kind of done, you know, ad hoc week by week. And we just kind of, you know, go for um, whatever's working most efficiently, whatever things we can take from the previous week and, and expand upon that and make that better. That's what we go into for the next week. So it's, it's been a lot of, um, a lot of planning, a lot of trial and error, a lot of keeping up with what's going on in the healthcare realm, which is very interesting for me because I have my foot in both of those doors. So I'm seeing things on both sides and it's, um, it's a little confusing sometimes. It's a little stressful sometimes. It's a lot, it's a lot stressful. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been one of the really cool things about it is how much everyone has been so willing to come together to try to make everything work as, as well as we can with the end game being the students always in mind yeah. and just making sure that they have the best, um, the best experience possible. Yeah, that seems to be a common trend uh, with most people I've been talking to. And uh, that's something that I'm feeling with the programs that I'm helping out with and what I'm doing with them, too. And um, it's a really strange time because uh, some so much of what we do can be competitively driven. And with this going on, um, that is no longer the carrot for a lot of the students and uh, I think for the most part, the vibe that I get is that most of the students are uh, just generally happy to be doing something and they're just happy to be drumming again and um, seeing their friends drum and whether that's them, you know, being six feet apart or playing a college style uh, marching show, uh, I can tell that it's very rewarding for them and I also see at the same time a lot of struggles, though, for those kids that for them band is competition and uh, it's it's a little harder for them. You know, the ones that are in band because of their friends, they are the ones that are are doing pretty well because, again, they've got that safe space. They're around those people that they want to be around. Uh, so it's been interesting to see from that standpoint. Um, so what have... Um, I'll, I'll go back to, to Dre real quick. Uh, what are some things that you're seeing with uh, your program and, and what are y'all doing to uh, make those adaptations to everything? Yeah, man. Um, so currently in, in my district, Brazosport ISD, um, we are half and half. They're, they've gave the students and parents the option of, you know, uh, being all virtual and then um, the option of being face-to-face in person. So currently I literally have about half of uh, my kids in class and then the other half are there virtually. Um, from a marching band standpoint, it's kind of similar, except, you know, high school kids, they're, they have a little bit more freedom. They can kind of get themselves to and from places a little easier than middle school kids. So if there's a kid that's all virtual, uh, then they have the option to attend marching rehearsal uh, in the afternoon. And in that, that aspect, we're taking all the precautions, uh, face masks are on uh, literally all the time, unless we're playing, obviously, for wind players for the battery. We, we never take them off. Uh, same with the front ensemble. Um, we are more than six feet apart a majority of the day, only in you know places where we can't. Like if we're traveling to and from, we send certain sections at a time, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are, are being thought out to, to make sure uh, that we're as safe as possible. Like uh, 
I think we are all very familiar with uh, packing as many kids as you can on a school bus to get wherever, wherever you need. (laughs) And, and uh, (laughs) that's never fun. You know, Um, we are traveling to away games, um, but we're taking a pep band. So it's the drum line. And I think no more than uh, 40 brass, no guard, no woodwinds and, you know, few directors and very light uh, volunteer parent crew. Um, and it's one person to a seat. Our, our school buses have seat belts now. Um, so the kids wear the seat belt, they wear the mask on the bus, one person to a seat. Um, we're going to need at least 10 more buses, but, you know, I, I think we're going to be able yeah. to uh, <laughs> travel if we need to. So, yeah, uh, yeah you know. So, James, uh, I'm going to go back to you real quick and ask you, you know, you're working in the IT world as well as helping out with education and um, you know, how are you balancing a lot of that stuff? Because like you said, it can be confusing. There's some things, some challenges. Like, How are you balancing that stuff? And what are the, uh, the challenges that you're finding between the two? That's a good question, man. It has taken me a couple of years to really get the balance figured out. Um, and there are still times when it can sometimes be a bit much for me. But um, I'm fortunate enough where with my IT job, I can, um, I typically, my day starts really early. So I'm up at like 5.30, 5.45 in the morning. Um, I'm at work by seven um, and I'm usually out of the office by three o'clock. And that gives me some downtime between uh, the end of my day um, at my at my IT job. And then like for now, it's I, I, I'm at one rehearsal a week. Uh, just because that's how budget was done for our tech staff, because we had a pretty big tech staff. So I do one rehearsal a week. Um, It's usually on Mondays whenever we do percussion ensemble. And so I've got about an hour to an hour and a half of downtime where I can just kind of, you know, get out of my, my business kind of mindset, relax for a minute, make the drive out to Vista Ridge and um, be out there for hour, hour and a half. Um, and the, I think the biggest part of it is uh, the percussion director out there, Hector Heal. Um, he he knows we all, you know, all of all of the tech staff. He knows that these are not, you know, our main gig. So he is extremely flexible with us when it comes to scheduling and and anything else that we may have going on. And like I said, that's the biggest thing for me. I have that kind of operating time after I'm done with my normal job. Um, where I can kind of, you know, do what I need to do, but it really helps having someone that flexible. I can say, Hey, when can you come in? Not, I need you here at this time. Like let's make this work for both of us. And so that's been the biggest thing for me. And it's probably been the biggest draw to keep me over at Vista Ridge um, for so long. It's just, it's easy to be there. It's easy to work there because I'm going to always have that kind of flexibility and that kind of operating time. And, you know, for me, I have, that huge structure in, in the IT world. And I can carry that over into the, the marching arts. And if I say, hey, I'm not gonna be able to make it to this thing three weeks out. Okay, fine, we'll, we'll figure out something for that time. Or if I can say, I wasn't originally scheduled to be at this show or this competition or this game, but I actually can be. Awesome, let's, let's have you out. So that's, that's been the biggest thing for me is just having, there isn't really any push or pull. It's we make it work. We're, we're all a team and we all just kind of make it work together. 
Um, and so the biggest thing was just finding a group and an organization that was able to be that flexible with me because not every, not every organization is able to do that. And that's completely understandable. It's just, it's what worked for me and just being able to kind of also take it the other way and talk to my management at my IT gig and say, Hey, I've got stuff going on on these days. I might have to leave a little bit early for that. Um, a lot of them have kids that are in high school. Some of them have kids that are in band programs or in football and, or basketball sports, whatever. And so they understand. And so it's, it's really easy to work either way and, and just be able to kind of have that work, uh, well for me. This episode is brought to you by Mac Designs Digital Marketing. Mac Designs Digital Marketing provides simple solutions to all of your small business marketing needs. Whether you are a tenacious entrepreneur just getting started or you're a boss that is ready to outsource your digital marketing. We're here to help you with all your digital marketing needs, email marketing, social media advertising, website design, and integration. We're a small business that provides big results. Visit www.macdesigns.org backslash DS for $500 off your first month of service. That's right. That is www.macdesigns.org backslash DS for $500 off your first month of service. I want to go back to what you were talking about with the the break that you have between your, or we call it your day job or your IT job, and then going into uh, teaching. I've I've noticed that uh, you've been dabbling in some hobbies of yours, and wanted to know more about how you kind of got started with the whole painting and um, and art that you've been coming up with. How did that all start? Yeah, man. So a lot of that came from uh, uh, when March rolled around and everything started going into lockdown. Um, I was trapped in the house. I didn't really have much of anything to do. And I'll be honest with you, the the spin painting thing, which was a big thing for me, uh, still continues to be a big thing for me, is something I literally saw on TikTok one day. And I was like, that's really cool. I want to try it. So what is it, if you could describe it? So basically, you take a canvas and you just put a bunch of acrylic paint on there, whatever way you want. Just spray it all over the canvas Uh, You take a couple of different colors and you attach a drill basically to the back of it. And I've got like a little jig and kind of set up. uh, That's a little harder to explain. It's easier to show than it is to explain. But uh, you literally just spin it. And as the paint, you know, you know, centrifugal force, it's pulling the paint out from the center. And so you end up getting really cool. uh, These really cool designs. I actually have one I can pull down and show you. So you end up getting these cool little radial designs and it starts from the center and just kind of splays all the way out to the edges. And it's been really cool. Um, It's been a lot to figure out. And originally it was just something that was, I wanted to try out and see if I could do it. And people started asking about it. And then I had, I think within maybe an hour or two of the first one that I posted on social media, someone was like, Hey, I want to commission you for one of these. And I was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> and so that know, that right? it just it, it kind of took off from there and i've done maybe 35 or 40 of them since then and yeah. it's 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 really cool it's very humbling for me because i never would have imagined that it would have taken off the way it did because to me it's just it's something that's fun but it's something that a lot of people enjoy and it's something that people have been really supportive of and 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 really have have gotten behind me on that and so just it kind of took off from there and 
it's something that I just do in, in some of my spare time, usually on the weekends. Uh, if I just have some spare time and nothing else to do, I, I might grab a canvas or two and spin a couple of them up and put them on social media. Or if someone wants to to find out how to do it or how to get one, they'll contact me. And it's just been a really fun thing that has kind of taken off and grown some. Nice. Yeah, man, they look really good. I've had Thank nothing but, but good reviews and people talking about them a lot. And uh, so my next question would be for Dre. And that's what's something in the past three to six months that you found that's been an outlet for you during this time that you never thought like, oh man, <laughs> this is my thing. And this is what I love to do on the side. Uh, cooking, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. I've, uh, become a little quarantine chef in this. Dude, like, this man always has me. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, I can't watch, I can't watch his posts on social media. Cause I'm just going to end up hungry. Yeah, man. Um, I actually, you know, uh, I always like, liked watch, watching cooking shows and, you know, I was one of those kids that like came from home from school and like, I'd be watching Food Network, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, like uh, Gia, the Italian lady that's on Food Network with like the crazy smile. Um, y'all know who I'm talking about? I know uh, who you're talking about. All right, anyways, her, Alton Brown is someone. Oh, uh, I love Alton Brown, man. man uh, who I really watched a lot when I was younger and just always found it fascinating. And I was like, well, I have all this time. The only place I can go or should go right now is the grocery store. Uh, and so I just started picking up a bunch of weird ingredients, started ordering like Korean seasonings off of Amazon. Uh, and I made some kimchi and that was like my first big quarantine project, you know? Dude, uh, it blew up. I remember <laughs> that. I remember yeah. that. That kimchi was delicious too. Uh, really yeah. spicy. Really, really spicy. Uh, so cooking, man, I've, I've dabbled in like, you know, making doughs and stuff for pizza. Um, just like nothing too crazy, like some uh, simple dishes as well, like some fried rice, but I use quinoa instead. Um, and someone who I've been recently watching a lot on YouTube now uh, is Jay Lopez Kenji Alt or Jay. I, I can't. His name's Kenji. I can't say his full name, but uh, I think that's his full name. Um, but he has a cooking show on YouTube uh, that I've really been kind of digging, and it's and it's relatable. He's personable. He's just a regular old, you know, food scientist guy that has a GoPro and he straps to his forehead and just cooks <laughs> around in his kitchen. And uh, he inspired me, man. So I I started making some of his recipes and you know, started to change a little bit of it, make it my own. And it's, it's been really cool. Like I've really been into cooking since this whole, you know, quarantine thing started. So has there any been anything that you have purchased for cooking? That's been a worthwhile investment through all this. Yes. Um, a food processor. Like if you call yourself like a serious cook or, you know, a enthusiast, you need one of those, uh, as well as like an immersion blender, um, oh, so what's an immersion blender? It's a hand blender. I'm, I'm oh, okay. Word yeah. immersion blender, like it's like something super fancy. No, it's it's just a hand blender. Uh, I literally I never knew what those were called. So <laughs> I learned today. I learned. Yeah, uh, I use that to make like uh, to 
uh, blend up my soups when I make some soups, like tomato soup or potato soup. Uh, also use it to make some mayonnaise or like a salad dressing. It mixes it really well. Um, but I, I bought it to make some uh, baba ganoush. Uh, that's like a little eggplant uh, puree type dish that you know you use for snacking and stuff, or you know you can put it on anything you want. So yeah, man, all all the little kitchen kitchen gadgets have been definitely building up in my house right now. <laughs> what do you feel has uh changed most since you've started doing it like have you noticed a change in mood or anything like that with yeah having this absolutely and i think james can uh attest to this too um it just makes you happier you know when you're when you're creating and you know when you feel like you're expressing yourself whether that's through art or cooking or music or doing a podcast or you know anything like that where you feel like you are getting out your expression and you know, communicating how you feel through whatever media. What's up, pup? Yeah, um, he's waking up from his nap. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, any any way you can, uh, you know, express yourself, I think, is going to end up making you feel better and, you know, feeding your soul in, in, in a way, you know? Yeah. That's really important for, for sure. sure. James, I have a question for you. If you had a crystal ball and you were to see into the future of WGI and DCI after post-COVID, what are some things that you think are going to change drastically? Uh, that's a good question, man. That has been that has been the question. What what is what is life going to be like in DCI and WGI after the fact? And I think the the one thing I always kind of get brought back to is housing how is that going to work? You know, because from a healthcare standpoint, like we have to get a vaccine, right? And after we get a vaccine, people obviously have to get vaccinated. That's going to, there's going to be debate in that. The vaccinations have constantly been in debate since the beginning of time. And so there's going to be a huge debate behind that. There's going to have to be requirements for that in order to just get membership. And then we, you know, come back to the housing. How is that going to work? Schools are going to be, you know, schools, gymnasiums, churches, different places like that. Those are the places where these kinds of groups operate right now. And in the future, that's going to be really, really difficult. I think even after we have gotten back on the upswing and things have started getting figured out, numbers are going down, people are getting healthier, vaccinations are happening. There are going to be schools that just aren't going to want to do it from a safety standpoint. And why wouldn't they want to take that approach? They want to keep their kids, their employees, their parents, everyone that's involved and invested in those districts, wherever they are, they want to keep those people safe. And, you know, why wouldn't they? So it's, it's going to turn into where, what are the options going to be? And, and, you know, looking at that crystal ball, that part's still, uh, that part is still cloudy, but I, I feel like that's going to be one of the really, truly tricky things to figure out. I think everything else can probably get figured out, but that is going to be hard. And I think with that is going to come difficulty in scheduling for the summer. And I know a lot of groups right now are talking about the, the idea of shorter summers and, um, offset staffing where people can come in during certain times, but they can't come in during others. Um, yeah. We can only have a certain number of people on tour at a time because we have to maintain, you know, certain numbers uh, from, from a, from a total standpoint. 
Um, we look at things like, um, like if you're going to a fast food restaurant and you look at menus have been paired or any restaurant menus have been drastically pared down because of the availability of certain types of foods. That's going to affect drum corn in a big way. That's going to affect, you know, how logistical teams are going to, to, to order different things throughout the summer for, for kids to be able to eat. And it's, it, it's going to be really tricky. I don't think it's impossible. Uh, I, I think that, that we'll be able to come back from this, but it's, it's going to be tough and it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a brand new set of eyes to look at all of this stuff and, yeah. and to, to have the right kind of vision to say, okay, here's how we're going to approach things from a housing standpoint. Here's how we're going to approach things from staffing. Here's how we're going to approach things from uh, health and nutrition, especially health and nutrition. That'll obviously be number one, but it's, I think it's going to be a very slow upswing back. Uh, and I don't know if it'll ever be quite the same as it was coming into the pandemic. Um, not for a long time, but it, I, I think we'll, we'll get back to something. It's, we're going to have to create a new normal and we're going to have to be very, very diligent and very militant about every aspect of it. Yeah. Here's, Go ahead, Sorry. Jay. Go ahead. Uh, no, elaborate on that. I think I think the key to that is just adapting. You know what I mean? Um, and through that, there's just going to be like a lot of trial and error. Like you know, James is are really good at thinking ahead. That's what I love about you know being able to teach with him. He thinks about things that I don't. And uh, in this same situation, in the same situation, he just said a lot that I I didn't even think about. Um, but through that, there's just going to be a lot of like adapt, adapt, adaptation uh, that is going to have to happen, you know, uh, a lot through trial and error. And we're going to see some things that, that work and then other things that m might not be the most efficient way or the safest uh, way to, to get it done now in these times. So, Yeah, my unsolicited hot take is that uh, I think we're going to have to deal with what drum corps was in the forties and fifties, where it was a lot of local circuits and a yeah. lot of people were just, um, they didn't travel very far to compete mm -hmm. against neighboring cities, things like that. Um, I think that that is the, maybe the quickest route to having some sort of normal normalcy from pre COVID days, uh, at least until, uh, you know, it's been about three to five years where we really feel comfortable with that, uh, full, you know, scale, like, national travel but uh i think if if there were one thing to look into the past and look into history and what it tells us i think that uh, that may be a good starting point for a lot of places and i kind of already see that happening where uh people are controlling the things that they can and that's you know still having a local show and still yeah. having a preview show of some sort so that the community can at least see it in a space that provides enough distance for everyone uh who knows i mean maybe when the weather's right for for drum corps or wgi whenever that is i can see a lot of texas football stadiums being asked to be used for wgi and having outdoor shows when the weather permits because you know you can you technically could put um a floor out there i mean it's you got to deal with turf yeah. but um you know you you could do that and make those um innovations needed for those companies to you know make it work and who knows i mean we're already doing that stuff with DCI anyways, where we were trying to take what we had learned from WGI and the types of shows that we have and uh, putting that into, you know, a drum corps setting uh, props, you know, are going to be a big thing. And 
um, you know, how we're going to move those things and if we're going to need them anymore. And uh, it's the numbers are changing because of it, too. You know, there's limitations and um, it'll be very interesting, to say the least. (laughs) I could imagine that, um, you know, I remember in 2008, I think that was the first year uh, that that we switched from div one, div two, and div three, so on and so forth to open class and world class. And with that change, we went from 135 to 150 members on the field. I can see that uh, getting kind of cut back down again from 150 down down to something lower again. Yeah. For sure. I also see them kind of just mirroring each other. You know what I mean? Uh, Kind of going back to what you said, Joe, about uh, more regional shows and local shows um, rather than like a full country tour, you know? Um, it it would be nice though if we still were able to meet up in like a central place and and do it all in one day, you know? Maybe we don't get to see each other perform, which is kind of sad to think about um, yeah. just from like a safety sam- standpoint, but just the fact, or if we were all able to be together again, you know, competing in the same competition or thing, you know, it, it would, it would feel good. So. Yeah. I think, I think there is possibilities with um, other platforms like flow marching, where if we were to have a regional event uh, to where we could have circuits within Texas that are meeting at, you know, a, a larger venue in their city and having a flow marching live stream from that, and kind of back-to-back streaming throughout the country. I mean, we do it with football. We do it with basketball games. You do it around the country where you have these sports networks and you have these live streams of, you know, games and coverage. And you've obviously got to deal with the different time zones. But I think it's still something that's possible and achievable where you can have um, everyone still competing and still have a block set up for the night block, you know. And it's like, okay, cool. The California groups are going to go at these times. They're going to be live streamed. And then the next group is live streamed and you just go all the way through to the East Coast. And then you still have your, uh, you know, everybody comes on the field and it's like everybody's waiting and there's a giant jumbotron or something. And everybody's watching that live stream to hear announcements for scores and captions. But it's possible. You know, man, throughout this whole thing, like the one thing that is kind of like rang true is just like, the resourcefulness of humans, you know, like people just figuring out ways to keep keep doing it or, you know, new ways to, to get it done, you know? And like you just mentioning that, that's like, who would think to, you know, <laughs> splice together three different or however many different groups onto a jumbotron so that it looks like a full retreat, you know, like. Right. <laughs> like, that's, that's cool, that's, that's resourcefulness, so. You know, if there's if there's people that think like you know you and who are resourceful in those activities or in those organizations, um, then I, I think I think we'll get back to some normalcy soon. Hopefully, you know, sooner than we think. This episode is brought to you by Bins, founded by Joy Duarte and Rema Baeza. Bins aims to spread positivity and good vibes to the marching arts community. With their unique apparel, accessories, clothing, and branding, Bins is the source for all things marching bass drum in the marching arts community. Follow on Instagram at underscore underscore Bins underscore underscore for more information. James, I, I'm gonna have you. I'm, I'm gonna hit you up with a, like a rapid fire question here, just to kind of okay. change gears. Um, when you hear the word successful, who's who's the first person that comes to mind? 
Or give me three people. Um, my one of my first. The, so one of one of my top three is going to be Kyle Wynn, uh, the president of Monarch. Um, just because of how how he has run the organization, um, what he what he means not to just the organization, but just to the marching uh, community in general. When I first came into Monarch. Um, it was very clear. This was going to be my job. It was going to be my job to teach bass drum. I wasn't going to be responsible for anything else unless I wanted to to do that. And that's how he is with with every every facet of it. I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but to me that is Monarch pulled me in. It, it wasn't it wasn't that they came looking for me. I saw them and I thought to myself, I have to be there. And so that came from the very beginning, came from the bottom up, and it was built up from there. And I feel like a lot of people that are involved with Monarch or that have been involved with Monarch, it was very much the same for them. Um, second person, I'm going to default to the CEO of my company, uh, my, my healthcare company, Norman Chinvin. Um, he opened the company in 1980. Uh, so we're, we're coming up on our 40th anniversary this year. Um, for better, or for worse, for everything in between, just like any any company our size, um, we still managed to maintain a very kind of almost like family owned business kind of feel. As big as the company is, we have, I don't know, three or 4,000 employees um, all across uh, Central Texas. And we still managed to have a very much um, kind of homey feel. And that came again from him and from how he uh, how he built the company from from the ground up and the the things that he put into practice and the fact that he still works there today and you can go and talk to him and he doesn't seem like the super big company executive person that's someone you can sit and have a one-to-one -one conversation with and you don't feel like you're less than him you feel very much on the same level as, uh, as him that's that's a big um, to me, that's a big sign of being able to be successful is still being able to reach the people that do things for you, but to have them not feel like they just work for you. They work with you. Having that kind of camaraderie, um, that, that's a big thing to me. And third, um, someone doesn't agree with me. Um, <laughs> I think Ziggy wants to go outside. <laughs> Let me uh, um, get outside real quick. All right, you're good. Yeah, you got it. Third person. I may have to come back to that one, man. Well, um, I found a, a common theme between your your first two, and it seems to me like there is a lot of understanding and a lot of trust. Absolutely. Absolutely. People that work with you or that, quote unquote, work under under you, you know, or um, that's, that's a big thing. And I noticed that too, when, um, I was with Monarch and, um, you know, there's still so many things that I can contribute to Monarch. Um, and I have been, and that's one of the things I've really liked about it. And you had brought up that, that is something that helped you feel like you were drawn in and connected to it is that it's, uh, you know, this is your job. This is the thing you're going to do. This is the thing you signed up for. And then if there's anything you want to do beyond that, you are more than welcome to do that and yeah um, and it was never really a, a requirement and that made it so easy to to make that two and a half hour drive down there every weekend and and be with that group mm -hmm. because i it i mean 
just like just like anything in a marching activity, you're going to have things that are unexpected that are going to kind of catch you off guard and, and you might have to jump in and do something here or there. But the understanding was very clear from the beginning and it never it never really deviated from that. My job is to teach the bass drums and that's what I do. It's like, hey, I teach bass drum. It's and yeah. it's great because I can focus on that and I can focus all of my attention and effort into that third person. I have my third person that's going to be go. Hector Heal. Um, who I work with uh, at Vista Ridge. And I was just talking with someone about this the other day, how I don't feel like I work with him. I don't feel like I work for him. You know, obviously he's the director of percussion there. He has built an insane program over the, over his time there. And I come in as a friend. He always introduces me to his kids as this is my friend, James, not this is one of your technicians. This, this is my friend. He's going to be working with you guys. He knows this, that, and the other. He always hypes me up way too much, but it's, we, we have that friendship first. I've known him since 2008, 2009, and that dynamic never changed when he hired me there in 2016. We're still two friends who have very similar ideals and very similar thoughts and approaches to um, um, the marching activity and how to teach it. And he gives me so much free reign with his kids, which is not easy to do when you have put in that much time and effort into a program. It's hard to have someone come in that has a certain kind of knowledge about things that is going to be different from what you know and say, take my kids and do what you need to with them. That's hard. And every year, every single year I come in, I make sure to tell him, thank you for trusting me with your kids again this year. So that's, that's a big thing uh, that, that, and to me, it doesn't just have to do with where Vista Ridge started when he got there versus where they are now, but it's also just the culture that has been built there and, and the ability to have people that want to be there, that just want to continue to come back and want to, to be involved. There's some really good pieces of information there that I think are going to be good for anybody listening that's maybe struggling with the management side of things or the creative side of things because I think those three people that you had talked to the com or talked about the common theme is just this management style and this uh, approach of trusting and understanding and working and collaborating with somebody in a way that's healthy and respectful and building that relationship. Um, and that's that's going to be great for people listening. Um, Dre, um, my question for you is, uh, what are some pieces of bad advice that you hear often, especially in our field? Oh, man. That's hard because I like when I hear the bad advice, I just get rid of it. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm like almost instantly, instantly, you know, identify it as terrible advice. And then I do the exact opposite. So Maybe maybe all the bad advice I have gotten has turned into good advice in my brain so that I don't do it, you know? I, I don't know. Um, bad advice. Uh, I, I literally cannot think about that. So what are some of the ones that you've heard and you're like, I'm not going to use that. I'm going to do the opposite. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so... Um, I don't know. This wasn't really advice, uh, but this is just more of just like a practice, you know. Um, you should always show up with some kind of like goal, you know. Like if you're going to work or you're you're doing anything, um, or even just like waking up for the day, you should. I think you should have like 
some kind of goal. You shouldn't just go there and be like, okay, well, let's just wing it. You know what I mean? Um, when you do that, then I think you kind of spin your wheels and you start to waste your time. And then all of the people who you're involved with, with time, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I think bad advice is to just wing it. Um, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's very, very good advice. Unless like you have a lot of experience and like prerequisite, you know, knowledge that will help you come up with a goal in that moment. You know what I'm saying? So I guess in that turn, you might just be good at winging it. You know what I mean? But uh, I would never, I don't like to go into situations um, blind, you know, every day in rehearsal, I like to know the plan. Uh, And it can be like, it can be a sentence. Oh, today's goal is to do this. And then from there in my brain, I say, okay, this needs to happen. Well, then before we do that, we need to do this, this, and this. Okay, so this is what we're doing today. We're starting with this. That's going to help us get to this. And then it'll eventually get us to completing our goal for the day. You know what I'm saying? I think just winging it um, is bad advice. Um, Now, on the other hand, some good advice, which I think these two things are kind of like similar, but not quite the same is faking it until you make it, you know? Um, in that, in, in that scenario, when you're faking it until you're making it, you're surrounded by, um, people, or at least in my case, faking until I made it, um, you're surrounded by people who have that experience, you know, and they're rubbing off on you and you're gaining knowledge from them. And that knowledge that you gain then becomes your own. And then you have your own thoughts about it. And then uh, from that comes like some sort of success, you know? So I don't even really think that is faking it. I think that's just putting yourself in a situation that you're uncomfortable and then you growing from being uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So So. then if you were to talk about um, your goal setting, you know, you said, you don't want to feel like you're in a position where you're winging something, right? Yeah. Um, how do you typically measure success for yourself or for uh, a group maybe you're teaching or working with? Um, the way that I measure success is whether or not I'm happy with what's going on. You know, um, this world is big, man. There's a lot of people in it. There's a lot of people who do a lot of different things. And it's really going to be tough if you're always comparing yourself to what they're doing and what you're not, you know? So in that, in, in, in that sense, you're beating yourself up for things that are out of your control. You know what I mean? Oh, well, that person is doing this. This happened to them. Why is it not happening to me? You know? Well, no, you just need to stay in your lane, stay focused and, you know, work on what you have. And then from there you'll have success, you know? So like, if I'm in a rehearsal, I'm always trying to make the students or whoever I'm working with better than they were the last time I was with them, you know, like if we're like, um, so this past week in my, uh, symphonic band class, that's the, uh, advanced percussion class at the middle school. Um, teaching them four mallet. We're starting four mallet this year, which like I've never done, um, with a middle school that I was teaching, you know? So from that standpoint in my brain, that's already a low level of success. We're doing a, a skill set that we've never been able to work on in my five years there, you know? Um, 
but then there, there are kids that are still moving or holding the grip some way I've told them not to. And I always remind them, you know, hey, you were doing that yesterday. That's a mistake that you made yesterday. Um, today should be a day where you try to make a different mistake and not the same mistake, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I guess that's how I think of success is um, being happy with what you're doing and what's going on and um, always just trying to progress, you know? Um, I listen to, sorry, not to just keep rambling, but... Um, no, you're good. Last, Go for it. last thing I'll say on this, uh, I listened to this um, uh, other, you know, um, internet radio type thing. It's called Selection, run by a guy named Joe K. Um, and his slogan um, for a long time in the beginning of the radio was do what you love. You know, uh, there's a lot of people who uh, just do what they think that they have to do because like that's like the path that's laid out in front of them rather than doing what they're interested in that way that they're happy and they feel successful. You know, he built yeah, that yeah. whole, whole radio station situation and now record label and like DJ collective because he ignored everyone telling him to like, you know, finish school and uh, you know, get your degree and yada, yada, yada. Like he just did what he wanted and then he turned it into something you know absolutely so then who would you say are your who are the top three people for you that you think are successful in your life uh definitely him uh he is someone I, who i look up to uh quite a bit um uh just because like he's he's a self-made person you know or a self-made man whatever that that means to you i think to me that means everything that he has he was able to earn himself you know um other people who are successful um good friend of mine actually my college roommate uh ryan colada uh i look up to him i think he's a really successful individual he's just a super smart guy and just always you know is he's just always trying to make sure that every situation that he's in is one that is gonna turn out positive. And if it doesn't, then he can look at it and make that situation positive by learning a lesson. You know what I'm saying? Um, another person who I think is kind of successful, I'm not like a huge basketball person or anything, um, but you know, I think LeBron James is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I know he's, uh, he's, he's, you know, um, a lot of people have a lot of feelings about him, whatever. Uh, you can't look at him and, and say negative things, I, I feel. You can say what you want about, you know, his basketball playing or whatever, but like him as a person and what he's done for however many communities and just how he carries himself, um, I think that is a good example of success for a lot of people, um, especially me. Uh, you know, being a, a, a young African-American man or a black man, um, seeing someone, again, be successful uh, on a very large platform that looks like me, um, I think that's cool. And I think that's important. So that's good. People. Yeah. 
Um, James, how do you, uh, how would you describe your relationship with working with Dre? What's, what are some key words that come to mind when you get to work with him? Um, this is a good one. Um, we, we are like polar opposites somehow. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're like puzzle pieces though. Yeah. Um, I, it's and it's so much fun because whenever we whenever we go to teach um, at, at Monarch together, um, I, I come with a, a pretty old school background um, in my teachings at Boston, and I, I never marched indoor, and so I was bringing a lot of outdoor influence and a lot of uh, kind of old school, very um, I'm not going to call it basic, but a lot of very rudimental based um, teachings into a world uh, of bass drumming that has been evolving so rapidly. And I'm always the naysayer. Um, and anytime the bass line is trying to do something crazy and fancy, I'm the dude that's always saying like, okay, but that wasn't in time. <laughs> like, and I just I, I don't care like I, I'm going to I'm going to be very black and white about things I'm going to be very honest you know like it's cool that we can play hand to hands at 210 but it's also not in time it's not at 210 like I'm that dude I'm, I'm very very much like it's black or white for me um, <laughs> Dre and I, lo I love I've always loved Dre's energy I didn't think it was going to work very well at first but I was just like I gotta stay around this dude because I feed off of it it's so much fun and I love the fact that we can be we can be looking at something with two completely different sets of eyes and ears and somehow we still just not only do we fix it we make it work but we make we find a way to just make it blow up and explode and, and just make it something really really cool yeah. because we have two completely different backgrounds and two completely different approaches um I'm, I'm very often referred to as the bad cop and I love it and I have no regrets. I, I love being the bad cop. Um, <laughs> I'm usually uh, the one that the kids will come to um, the first time when they know that someone's going to say no and then they'll go to Dre <laughs> to get to get that second opinion the and then they'll play and I'll be like, okay, soften me up a little bit. So it's, it's, it's so much fun. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's, it's, it's it's a thing that there there's a picture of us on social media somewhere and it's just perfect. I've got to find it, but it's it was just so wild to me to think like that I'd be able to have this kind of dynamic with another person and be able to do the things that we have done um, with Royal Base, having such completely different approaches that and somehow still ended up complementing each other in such a strong way. Yeah, I appreciate it. And Dre, what do you what do you think? What are your thoughts? Yeah, man, I think James nailed it right on the head. Um, you know, he and I can be in subs together, and we do a really good job of like, uh, you know, dividing up the responsibilities of the subs time. And what I love about that is that when he's running a session or running a chunk, it's completely different than if I were to run a chunk. You know. Uh, and when he's doing that, he's listening for all the things that he, he listens for, but I'm still thinking the way that I do. And again, from that, like we, we, I think we just cover a lot of the bases, uh, no pun intended, but, uh, all the pun intended. I, was, I was waiting for it. all of the pun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, um, but I think we just, you know, cover all areas when it, when it is that way. Um, I have a really good example of this from, uh, you know, 2019. Um, we were looking for something real cool to do with, like the six man baseline, you know, like you were on like one of the most prolific six man baselines of all time, Joe, you know what I mean? Shout out Cavs 2012. And so when we, I watched that video, you got, <laughs> you know, which one I'm talking about. I watched that video at least twice a week. <laughs> Every week, man. I love that video. I never got to see that baseline in person and I regret yeah. it to this day. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, but um um you know, you you try to you try to always, you know, put your mark in the activity always. Like that's anyone's goal. Like winning, sure, whatever, you know. Uh I want to be memorable. I want people to know, I want people to say, "Yo, but do you remember RB19?" or "Yo, do you remember Vanguard 04?" or you know what I mean? Like that's that's I think that's what everyone is genuinely looking for. And so uh this season in nineteen, you're like, all right, six six bass drummers, what are, what are we gonna do? And we you know, we we're just talking to the kids and we're like, yo, unison hand to hand. And we tried it for so long and I did not I did not want to give it up ever, ever. Like I would rep it so many times per weekend. And there was a weekend, I think it's in the RB movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and James is uh, there that weekend. And he's been in for most of the weekend. I think uh, this was like a Sunday or something that I showed up. And we're out in the parking lot and they're repping the hand to hand. And he's just like, yo, Dre, it's not it. And I'm like, it's not it, bro. <laughs> 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 like, we gonna give up. And he was like, hey, what if we do this? You know, and we changed it to a unison squig, which, again, I haven't seen, you know, six people do or let alone five, you know. Um, And from him seeing that or at least from him seeing it from his perspective, we were still able to, you know, uh, put our mark on the activity, do something that no one has done. And so, again, I just think like he's like... um, a very good uh, reality check for me almost, you know, like I will want to do so many hard things and all this stuff that is cool. And James will be the person to let me know that, Hey man, not feasible, but <laughs> let's try it this way, you know? And, yeah. and I think, yeah. I think our relationship in that sense is really good. And honestly, like even on a, a personal level, especially during this like quarantine time, uh, Jam has been a really, uh, uh, you know, a person I can confide in. Like, I will call him up whenever, you know, and, and we can talk about anything. And I, I cherish his his perspective and his advice, let alone on music, but just like life in general. I think we we both have two different scopes, but have gone through similar situations. And we help each other kind of uh you know balance it out and find a good good reality you know you, you know what i'm saying i don't know if yeah. i was very clear on that but yeah yeah and yeah. and that 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 shows up and and that <clears throat> it, it's more than just a teaching thing the, the you know this this is 
for all intents and purposes, this is my brother. So yeah. when we when we come into a lot or when we come into subs, that shows up there. That yeah. that connection's already there. And it 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 permeates into the the members and that that whole the whole monarch family thing. It's it's absolutely real for us and in so many different ways. So um in touching on the like identity and putting your mark on the activity every year. Um, what are some things that you'd like to see um, change? Like some things that are maybe negatives, but you would like to see change going forward um, that are not related to COVID, but um, maybe more cultural, culturally, um, you know, one of the things that has been come coming more and more to light uh, within the past couple of years, I would say, with drum corps specifically, but now even WGI is just um, a lot of poor leadership and a lot of people that are, I think you can kind of get where I'm going with some of this stuff. What are some things that you'd like to see more of that are, that need to be improved? Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say me personally, I think um, something that can help that is uh, the kids taking a little bit more responsibility, you know, um to elaborate uh i think if they have a hand a, a, at least a larger hand in the operations of whatever organization that they're involved in then they'll be more you know grateful almost for it if that makes sense and i don't want to i don't want to make it seem that like you know uh, members nowadays are ungrateful and they just like are bad people terrible people that's not the case. Um, really, really, it's not the case, especially at Monarch. Um, like something that we preach a lot to our members is just be good people, you know. Um, but and I guess where I'm trying to get this idea from is um, the marching vlogs drumline that happened over the COVID season. I don't know if you guys checked into that at all, but um, the members that were a part of that they had a lot of responsibility as far as like what their experience was and everything that was their experience relied a lot on uh, what they made of it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think the the activity in general could just like take a little, um, you know, nugget out of what they did and start to apply that kind of um, philosophy, you know, like it's in the members hands and they should have ownership over it versus like you know an organization having ownership over the product if that makes sense you know um yeah okay cool james what are your thoughts <clears throat> yeah i mean it's it's tricky um but going going back on on uh the the notion that we have at monarch of preaching to be good human beings um <clears throat> a lot of times in this activity. And I think it's happening slowly um, over time, but a lot of times in this activity, um, from an educational standpoint, uh, a lot of times we're trying to find the people with the best hands. And um, a lot of times the personality doesn't really get looked into at all. And I, you know, the, the whole idea of doing interviews and everything, which wasn't a huge thing when I was marching, but over time, it's become more and more of a thing, like actually sit down and have a little bit of a talk with with people, find out, you know, what it is that makes them tick, 
what kinds of people they are. And this isn't saying that we're trying to, to make any kind of call on whether someone is a good person or a bad person. It's not about being good or bad, but just finding, you know, people who, who are going to have the courage to get things done that need to be done. Um, people who are, are going to, to, to be willing to have big hearts about, about this kind of activity and <clears throat> who aren't in it to try to win, you know, who aren't in it to just try to get a medal, um, but are in it for an opportunity to grow as people. Um, some of the favorite things that I've heard from students over the years when, you know, when I ask them, uh, inevitably, why are you here right now? Why, why, why do you want to do this? It's, it's not because I want to be a better drummer. It's not because I want to, the opportunity to go to state. It's not because I want to go to WGI or DCI finals. It's because I want to, I want to learn how to have a different approach to things in life. I want to learn how to take what I'm learning here and apply that to everything that I'm doing. Now they don't always say it that way, but you know, young developing minds, they're, they're trying to find ways to take what they're learning in this isolated activity and say, how can I make this a bigger thing in my life or in the life of people that are around me? How can I make this a bigger thing? I'm always looking for those kinds of students. Those students are not always going to be the ones that have the best hands or the best timing, but that's what I'm there for. I'm there to try to make all of that stuff better. Having that kind of template is way easier to work with than having someone that's got great hands and great timing and can do all these splits and stuff, but just doesn't have the mentality or the personality to, to be in it for all of the right reasons. Yeah. And so I think just kind of being a little bit more mindful of, of that whenever possible. And, and that's tricky because that can become a thing where it's like, well, you're being picky about this person. It's like, well, no, that's not what it is. We're trying to, we're trying to contribute to a culture here. We're not just trying to, to get hands behind a drum. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta grow people. You know what I'm saying? And in anything that you do, especially in education, like not only are you giving them knowledge, but you're also helping them grow as people, you know, and if, if you have people involved in your organization in the education portion of it that are not reflecting that philosophy through their actions, let alone their words, you know, uh, then it's going to be hard to expect the members to do the same thing. Um, so, you, you know, we have a lot of talks with RB just about like making making good decisions and <laughs> what what the right thing to do is in, in most situations. And fortunately enough, our, our relationship with those members is strong enough to where they can call any of us up at any time and have any kind of conversation that they need, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think is kind of coming out of this as well is um, I'm been pretty pleased with uh, a lot of the transparency that's been happening with these organizations and a lot of the individuals that were uh, teaching or working, or maybe they were in a, a position of authority for programs. And um, it seems to be that the vetting process and the cultural, um, the, the culture is shifting and that there are more people becoming uh, understanding and trying to, you know, find the right fit and find the right people and making sure that we can really clean um, house when it comes to that sort of negative 
energy and giving the the members a better experience and one that they feel they are accepted and they can come forward to their uh, staff members and, um, you know, make people aware of things without uh, feeling that they are uh, going to be ridiculed or they're going to be, you know, uh, thrown under the bus for lack of better terms. And that's something that I think is going to continue to happen. Um, you know, I had more recently, I had um, <clears throat> two of our students that we had taught at uh, Monarch together and they were actually on the show. And it was nice to see that um, a lot of the young people that are still involved in the activity are now making a name for themselves because they realize the capital um, that there is in each section that the uh, the activity presents and finding a way to create branding and awareness and unity within uh, each section. And I think that that's something um, I think that's something that I know for sure I didn't have that uh, when I was going through the activity. I don't think either of you had that oh, experience, but I think no. with with uh, social media and, and the way that you can reach more people now, uh, that's becoming a thing. And it's it's nice to see this ownership that's being taken and um, creating a culture of more people that I think are good citizens and people that we need to continue to have their voices heard um, in our state, in our country. I mean, just in the world in general. Um, so that's definitely something that gives me a lot of hope is uh, seeing what they're able to do and keep their voice and people are hearing it, which is amazing. So uh, on that, I want to end with a positive note and ask uh Either of you, you know, what are some like last words of wisdom that you have or some things that you've been thinking like with what's been going on in the world and how we're going to go forward with this? What, what are some things that you want to leave the audience with? Man, I think um, it's just on, on, a, on a more global scale. Um, when all of this, the, the pandemic started, um, going back to my, my, my day-to-day job, um, it was everything had to happen so quickly. We had to get people out of our locations and working from home. And a lot of people are having to make these adjustments and do things they had never done before on either end. On our company end, we had to unload um, so many folks onto different remote access systems and we hadn't really had time to do testing for all of that. And then on, on, on their end, you know, you've got people who have never set up their home devices to do this kind of stuff. Some of these people don't have the right kinds of internet connections to support. A lot of people don't have the right kind of audio equipment and, 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 and video equipment to do all this kind of stuff. But we all just kind of came together so quickly, so rapidly. And for, for, for everything, it was just, we came together and we did the best we could with the situation to make it all work. And just seeing that kind of effort and getting those positive comments along the way and, and people saying, you know, for me specifically, like, you know, I, I had a nurse that told me over the phone once I tell every patient that comes in, we have the best IT department ever. I was like, I mean, these patients don't know anything about this stuff. They don't really care. But the fact that she is putting all of that kind of positive energy out there just because she wants to, because she had whatever good experience, that's awesome. And so just being able to put those vibes and that kind of positive energy or however you think of it, you know, 
putting humility. out that kind of yeah i mean exactly you know putting out that kind of positivity into the world and and just doing what you can coming together and and instead of being divisive and knowing that there is an end to all of this whatever that might be however long that's going to take but we're not going to we're not going to see it unless we do it together so we and i think that that applies to so many different things and it applies to so many different facets of life we we just we we can do more together than we ever can apart absolutely yeah just to kind of you know elaborate on that you know spread love spread positivity like especially in this time where there's a lot of negative negativity happening um you know the world is crazy and and i don't know the the less that the less crazy that we can make it on an individual scale i think the the, the better that will will spread from person to person um, and in the same hand, you know, your life and, and, and your world is exactly what you make it. You know, if you're not putting positivity into it by sharing your positive energy and your love with other people, then that's going to come back to you. You know, that, that, that negative energy, energy that you're putting out, it, it's going to come back to you. And um, you want to try to put as much positivity and um, as much good vibes into uh, any and everything that you do so that, you know, your life reaps those benefits. So, Well, guys, uh, James, where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you and maybe chat, have some questions to follow um, up with? Sure. Um, I don't know if I have my, my tag linked to Facebook, but um, you can find me on Facebook from my, my first and last name, James Neblet. I'm on Instagram, um, Mr. Nebels, M-R-N-E-B-L-Z. Um, I think that's pretty much all I operate on for the most part. Um, no snail mail, email. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you can reach me at email, uh, yeah. janeblet12 at gmail.com. Uh, so I can take emails through there as well. It'd be straight to spam folder, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dre, what about you? Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can look up, uh, you can look me up on Facebook if you'd like. Uh, it's my first name, A U N D R A Y. Edwards uh, on Facebook and uh, on Instagram, my handle is Dre underscore drums. And uh, I'm pretty good about, you know, responding to DMs and stuff. So uh, if you want to hit me up, hit me up through there. If you really want my email, <laughs> it's uh, my first name, Andre.Edwards91 at gmail.com. And uh, that's where I'm at. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, thanks again for carving out the time to just hang and chat and be on the show and looking forward to catching up with you two again really soon. And, you know, we'll have you back on the show at some point and uh, be able to follow up and hopefully we'll be able to sit across from each other instead of uh, via zoom. Yeah, man, yeah, man. Thank All you right. for the opportunity. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely, yeah. man. It's been a hot minute and uh, yeah. that we could, we could do this. Dude. It's good to see you and yeah. hear from you. Thanks again for your support of Different Strokes, a percussion podcast. For advertising space, please contact us at info at dspodcast.org. That is info, I-N-F-O, at dspodcast.org. Our production and sound design is by Miguel Perez, 
instrumental music was written and composed by Miguel Perez. Our introduction music was written and composed by me, Joseph McMorrin, and our post-production is made possible by Miguel Perez. Different strokes may be found on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Thank you to our sponsors and their support, and please visit our website at www.dspodcast.org. Until next time, hit subscribe and thanks for listening.